Hey everyone, it's Jules, your host of the All Things Iceland podcast. Welcome to this week's episode, which is dedicated to the Icelandic sheep, who are a mix of adorable and fascinating. During the summer, you can find them roaming freely around the country. For months, they are on what seems like the ultimate Icelandic summer vacation, eating, sleeping, and walking wherever they please. Before winter sets in, they are rounded up by the farmers that own them so they can be sheltered from the harsh Icelandic weather. Regardless of the season, the Icelandic sheep farmer is always at work. If you are interested in hearing a first-hand experience of what life on an Icelandic sheep farm is like, I recommend checking out my interview with Paulina Axelsdottir Narvik, the creator of the popular Instagram account Farm Life Iceland, which is episode 52 of this show. Her account showcases what life is like on an Icelandic sheep farm from her perspective. Before I jump into the rest of the episode, I want everyone to know that I included some extra goodies in the show notes of this episode. I created an Icelandic sheep infographic, added a video, some photos, and links to articles. You can find them on my website from foreigntofamiliar.com. And very soon, I'll be super happy to make the announcement when my website becomes allthingsiceland.com. Okay, now on to the rest of the episode. Sheep in Iceland have played an important role in the way of life in the country since the first settlers came to Iceland back in the 9th and 10th centuries. I was surprised to learn so many fascinating facts about them after talking to Paulina and doing some research. Regarding Icelandic sheep history and heritage, Icelandic sheep are classified as northern short-tailed sheep and are the largest in their group, which includes Finn, Romanov, Shetland, Spelsal, and Swedish Landrak. As mentioned in the quick facts in the show notes, the Icelandic sheep descends from the same breed as the Norwegian Spelsal. While it is the case that sheep in Iceland today are pure breeds, at one time, farmers did try crossbreeding with foreign breeds. However, these experiments ended because the crossbreeding brought on disease. Eventually, all the sheep that were the result of crossbreeding were killed, or what is known as culled. Culling is defined as reducing the population of an animal by selective slaughter. Iceland is notorious for its harsh weather, and over the centuries there have been many challenging times. The Lockheed Volcano episode, for instance, that I did on this show, definitely was a very difficult time for the country because a lot of livestock was killed as along with many people. So definitely check out that episode if you haven't already. Due to being bred in isolation for more than a thousand years, the Icelandic sheep has been able to thrive in these conditions. Well, at least in conditions that aren't trying to take their lives. Because of that, they are considered to be efficient herbivores. While sheep are mostly bred for meat in Iceland now, they have contributed to Icelandic society in a variety of ways over the years. Up until the 1940s, They were the predominant milk-producing animal in the country. It was far more expensive to have a cow before that time, so people consume sheep's milk instead. Lambing season in Iceland starts in May and lasts for about five weeks. During this month, farmers are working around the clock to monitor and assist the ewes, which is what a female sheep is called, who are birthing the cute lambs. Due to a gene that was discovered, pregnant Icelandic female sheep often give birth to multiple lambs at one time. They can give birth to twins, triplets, quadruplets, quintuplets, and even sextuplets. It's quite amazing to think of that many lambs being born at once. Thoka, which was the name of a sheep, 
is what the name of that discovered gene is called. It isn't always that ewes need help with birthing their lambs, but it happens often enough that farmers take turns throughout the day and night to check on how everything is going. Normally, lambs are born with their head and front legs coming out first. However, that doesn't always happen, so that's when a farmer steps in. Other times, help is needed if the lamb is not breathing or if it's rejected by its mother. When a lamb enters the world, it's crucial that there's a bond between the mother and child within the first few minutes. If an ewe is cleaning and drying off her lamb, there's a good chance that it has been accepted. Unfortunately, it does happen that an ewe rejects a lamb and starts to ram or kick it. Paulina talked about this happening to one of her favorite sheep during the interview I did with her. Luckily, she was able to save the lamb and keep it alive by nursing it. Sometimes farmers even find another mother for a rejected lamb. Although it is rare, sometimes an ewe or a lamb do not live due to complications in the birthing process. It might sound sweet that farmers are so attentive during lambing season. The reality is that the health of the newborn lambs and their sheep is essential to the farmer's livelihood. It is not to say that the miracle of birth is not appreciated by the farmers. It's just that they put in this time and effort because it is a wise investment in their business. During the summer months, the lambs and sheep head off to roam in the mountains and countryside until September. Rieter is the annual sheep roundup that happens every September in Iceland. Farmers, their families, friends, and tourists go out into the countryside to collect the sheep. Some walk and others travel by ATV or on horseback. Because authentic sheep can be anywhere in the countryside, the challenge of collecting them can be quite tedious. I've seen sheep way up on steep mountains and others that have wandered into valleys or the property of others. If you plan to drive around Iceland during the summer months, just know that sheep will randomly run out into the road. They have the right of way, so please slow down or stop if you see them walking alongside the road. If you do hit a sheep, it is best to call the police the emergency number is 112, and give them the tag or earmark on the sheep. The police will then contact the farmer so that the farmer can come and retrieve their sheep. It used to be that sheep outnumbered Icelandic people two to one. However, due to Icelandic sheep population decreasing and the amount of people living in Iceland increasing, that is not presently the case. Regardless, the sheep still outnumber the amount of people that live on the island. It's a little hard to fathom, but there are hundreds of thousands thousands of sheep that need to be rounded up every year. The time-honored tradition is certainly not for those who are impatient or physically unfit. It's a lot of work to round up sheep, but the reward is worth it. To give you an idea of how many sheep are in Iceland today, according to an article in the Iceland Review, there were 432,740 sheep in 2018. Sheep numbers were at their highest in 1978, which was 890,000 sheep. That's pretty intense. <laughs> and I can only imagine what roaming around the countryside would have looked like then. If you prefer not to go out to find the sheep to round them up, but you still want to experience a rieter, I have great news for you. Some farmers allow for visitors and Icelanders who have no association with a farm to come to the sorting of the sheep. In different locations around the country during September and October, there are lists of rieter sorting times. I went to one in 2019 and it was fascinating. Basically, all the sheep and lamb that were rounded up were put into a big pen. The farmers then find their sheep that they've marked and put them into smaller pens that belong to their specific farm. You can check out the video of 
Icelandic sheep and their roundup, as well as there's a picture that gives you a bird's eye view of what the sorting looks like. What was so cool about this experience for me was that I was able to see Icelandic sheep up close. Normally, sheep run away from humans because they are afraid. There are very few people that interact with sheep, and it seems like the sheep would like to keep it that way. Earlier, I mentioned that there is a reward for the roundup of the sheep, and that is the celebration called The farmers in each region have parties where they drink, dance, sing, and just have a good time all night because they have finished the monumental task of collecting and sorting their sheep. One event that many people don't know about is that after the rietir, many of the lambs are slaughtered. In the month following the roundup, many restaurants and grocery stores are advertising lots of fresh lamb. If you ever find yourself interested in visiting or staying on a sheep farm in Iceland, There are lists of different farms around the country. There are two in particular that I'm going to share because they are primarily sheep farms and you can stay on them if you wish. I have not been to either of these farms and I have no affiliation with the owners. The first is Bjart Eyjansandur Family Farm. According to the website, the Bjart Eyjansandur Farm is owned and operated by three different families, all specializing in their different fields which are farming, tourism, education, food processing, and machine work. The farm is situated in a beautiful area by the fjord with a lovely seashore. The same family has lived in Bjart Eyjasandur since 1887. Along with these different experiences I just mentioned, you can eat farm fresh food, cuddle an Icelandic lamb, and soak in a natural hot pot by the sea in the summertime. The second is the Sölvanes farm. According to their website, Sölvanes is a traditional sheep farm located in the beautiful valley of Skagafjörður, North Iceland. Sölvanes is very much a family affair, run by Runnar Mauni and his wife Eitis, both from North Iceland. Their two sons and other family members play an active part in the family business. I'm quite interested in visiting and staying on a farm, mainly because I've just never done that in my life, and I would love just to be able to cuddle an Icelandic lamb, and I hope to get the chance to do so one day soon especially since I know that these are family-run places and I'd like to support those types of organizations in Iceland. If you're curious to learn more, as I mentioned earlier on, there are links in the show notes so you can check those out and make a decision for yourself if you'd like to stay on or visit a sheep farm. Icelandic sheep are primarily raised for their meat. It's estimated that about 80% of income from sheep farming comes from selling it. Lamb is a popular export, but in recent years, it has been found that exporting sheep or lamb meat is not profitable. This is due to the cost of producing the meat in Iceland being higher than the average price obtained for the meat from other countries. An article in Morgenbladet, a local newspaper, shared a report that said, quote, Slaughterhouses are too many and their numbers need to be reduced to improve efficiency. Reducing the number of meat-producing plants could also improve profitability if the slaughterhouses left were able to increase automation, end quote. It may come as a surprise to some, but over the years, Icelanders have decreased their consumption of lamb in favor of eating more chicken. Granted, there are a lot more people eating less meat in general or going completely vegan, but it's still a very small percentage of the country. Increasing exports of meat is one way that companies, aka farmers, are trying to stay in business. After reading another article about a lamb producer, Fiatlalam, planning to export lamb to China, I can only assume that there will potentially be a surge in Icelandic lamb exports. Well, 
if the company is able to figure out how to cut down the cost of production. As you heard in a section about Rieter, lamb have been free roaming around the countryside, and many of them are slaughtered not long after the sheep have been rounded up for winter. Icelandic lamb is considered to be some of the best in the world because they are free-range, and they're not given extra grain or any type of hormones. Wool production from sheep in Iceland is definitely a thriving business here, but it in no way touches the amount that Icelandic sheep farmers make from selling meat. Even though sheep's wool has been used by Icelanders for many centuries, the Icelandic wool industry is only about 125 years old. The company Aulafoss was founded in 1896 and had 200 employees at the beginning. At its peak in the 1970s and 80s, it employed 2,000 people who would process the wool, then knit, sew, and make clothes with it. One of the company's main trading partners was the Soviet Union. When the Soviet Union collapsed, Aulafoss went bankrupt, and the country's wool industry went down with it. East Tex, which is now the biggest producer of Icelandic wool, started about 25 years ago as a way to revitalize the industry. According to Eastex, it, quote, was started for the farmers to keep up their production, end quote. To give you a taste of the amount of wool processed in Iceland, Gvudjón Kristjánsson, the managing director of Eastex, told the Reykjavik grapevine back in 2017 that, quote, there are 500,000 sheep in Iceland, from which the 2,000 farmers shear 1,000 tons of wool a year. This is reduced to 750 usable tons after washing, 400 tons of the best materials processed into knitting wool, with the second-class remainder exported to the UK, mainly for use in upholstery and carpets. While Aulafoss is still in business and doing pretty well, it is nowhere near what it was in its heyday. If you're curious about the history of the shop, I recommend visiting. It is only about a 20-minute drive outside of downtown Reykjavik. It's off the same road you would take to get to the Golden Circle. And in the town I live in, which is Mosfetspeid. If you're planning to buy an Icelandic sweater, please make sure that it was made in Iceland. There are many shops that have sweaters that have been, quote, designed in Iceland, end quote, which those labels are on the sweater, but the wool and manufacturing, meaning the actual creating of the sweater, are from China. They are not authentic Icelandic sweaters. Places like the Hand Knitting Association of Iceland and Aulafoss sell authentic Icelandic sweaters that were produced, designed, and knit in Iceland. It helps to keep the local industry going if you buy from shops like the ones I mentioned. If you are in a shop, and you see a sweater that you like, and you're thinking it's a traditional Icelandic sweater, which is called a lopapesa, just make sure to ask if it was physically made in Iceland if you only see a tag on it that says designed in Iceland. If the person doesn't know, then it's probably a safe bet for you to go to one of the places that I mentioned. These sweaters are not cheap, and I think of it, at least the sweaters that I own, as an investment because I'll have them for the rest of my life. So that was just a little overview of the very adorable Icelandic sheep. And now I'm going to move on to the random fact of the episode. Icelandic sheep grow two types of wool. The one closest to their skin is a soft insulating fiber, while the outer layer is more coarse and protects them against wind and rain. These two layers are combined in the Icelandic wool that you would buy to make a sweater or any other type of design. Wool produced in warmer climates is softer and not as itchy. 
if you own an Icelandic sweater, you probably know what I'm talking about when I'm referring to the itchiness, especially if you aren't wearing a layer between the sweater and your skin. And in some cases, even if you are wearing a layer between the sweater and your skin, it can still feel a little itchy. For me, when I use it to go hiking, because it is really great at being breathable, but also protecting me against the wind and rain, I do normally have on a layer that's thick enough in between the sweater and my skin But if I let my mind wander to it, I can still feel the itchiness, which is a little bit strange. (laughs) Thankfully, though, East Tex, the company I mentioned earlier that kind of dominates in wool production here in Iceland, is trying to find ways to reduce the itchiness in wool fibers. So fingers crossed they will figure out how to do that so that people don't have to have mental toughness in order to wear an Icelandic lopapesa. The Icelandic word, or in this case, words of the episode, are relatively simple this time around. And that is, the first one is kind, kind, which is sheep. It's spelled like kind, but pronounced kind. And the second one is even easier, which is lamp, lamp, which in English is lamb. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the All Things Ice and Podcast. If you think someone else will find this episode interesting and or useful, please share it with them. Recently, I started a newsletter that is dedicated to sharing even more fascinating information about Iceland. There will be a link at the bottom of my show notes for anyone that wants to sign up for it. The way I'm planning it is to, of course, share roundup of content that I do on different channels, just in case you don't follow me on, say, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. But I do plan on providing some more exclusive information that you won't be able to find on other channels, mainly because an email is just a great way of being able to share multiple types of content. And I really love that. So if you are interested in kind of getting some inside scoop information or just any kind of exclusive content, definitely make sure to check out that link in the show notes. And of course, for your convenience uh, and listening pleasure, this podcast is available on many platforms. You can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and pretty much any platform that plays podcasts. Tack att er kallegar fyrir att hlusta og sjáumst fljótlega.